Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. Oh, amen, wow. amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a great praise. How good is God? Doesn't my wife look so beautiful today? You guys look Pastor Lisa and I said, East County Awaken Church almost needs another campus now, <laughs> or at least another service. This is exciting. It, what, a, what a dream come true. But I think they want us to cut something. Yeah, no, maybe. Well, just in a moment, just All in right. a moment. Go ahead. Uh, but it was so beautiful because remember, remember years ago I said, you know, God just spoke to me, every building yeah. you buy, I'll fill. Every yes, building you buy, right. I'll fill. Yeah. I had no idea it would be this packed and every. Come on, how many people know a building in Santee and maybe one in Alpine and take East County by storm? But we've got some people that I just want to uh, take a moment to honor. Uh, we met uh, Michael and Vanessa Mastretta in Israel uh, a couple of years ago, and it's so, so awesome to have you here today. Can we say a big shalom to Michael Mastretta? God bless you. So great to have you here. And... Uh, Kind of working behind the scenes, but sometimes don't underestimate, you know, what's behind the scenes. But behind the scenes, really bringing breakthrough, bringing freedom, uh, bringing healing, bringing deliverance to lives all throughout the East County is James and Claudia Marina, who are here today. Can we give these guys, they run, the, literally they run the East County Transitional Living Center. Give everyone a wave so they can see you. These are incredible, James and Claudia Marino, two amazing human beings. We just love you so much. And then the building wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for Chris and Denise Aguilar. Yes. Thank you so Thank much. You Thank you so much. Stunning. He had a spirit of excellence. He had teams working morning shift, night shift. There was Carlos, there was Juan, there was Jesus. I mean, we came in one night and Jesus was, I'm like, don't you love it when Jesus is building his church, right. literally. Jesus is he building a, his church. He had a hard head on with Jesus written on it. And my wife said, wow, Jesus is literally building our church. Literally but, and spiritually. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, uh, there, there, there's, there's a blessing on East County. Yes. There, there's a favor on East County that is going to bring transformation Amen. to East County. Amen. And I honestly believe it's because we have an incredibly godly man of God, extraordinary couple, yes. Bill and Betty Wells. Would you guys come up? We're going to ask you both to come yes. up. Uh, 29 years of marriage yesterday. Is that right? 29 years? Wonderful. June the 12th. Wonderful. June 12th, 29 years. So I'll get you to say a few words and then you're going to do the cutting. We're just going to do the cheerleading. Okay. Listen, I, I want to say thank you for coming to East County. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I didn't have a speech prepared, but there was a time when I was 17 years old when I was in darkness like so many of us were. And God sent somebody, um, a special person, to come and find me in the darkness and tell me about, about Jesus. 
And outside these doors, there's thousands of people that are hurting. They're trapped in addiction, they're trapped in poverty, they're trapped in marital problems, they're trapped in anger and resentment and hatred of one another. And the only answer is, is it's, not, it's not politics. It's not whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, it's Jesus. That's right, yeah. come on. Fantastic. And as the leader of the city, my, and my wife is my co-leader, she's actually in charge, I, I just do what well, she says. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't think of a better thing than to have people like you here praying for the people of El Cajon, reaching out to the people of El Cajon, and there'll be dozens and maybe hundreds and maybe thousands of people that will come to Christ because you're here today. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mayor Wells. I'm going to do, do an exchange. In, in the first service, they'll, they'll bring it over, but in the first service, just so you know, after I cut, I ran with them because my mother told me not to run with sisters. I could lose an eye, and look, I've still got both. Come on, come on. So in a moment, but hey, I'm not sure whether you realize this, but this man is quite an accomplished musician. How many people think we need to invite Pastor Bill and Betty back and have Pastor Bill, Pastor, Pastor Bill, Governor, Mayor Bill, Mayor Bill, Governor Bill, Shepherd Bill, Leader Bill, Musician Bill play on the stage. You would like to see, come on, the Mayor of El Cajon praying. So you have to come back. I thought I'd do that so it's public. Hold you to your word. But come on, bring this up over the top and. Come on, you put your hands on here. Everybody's got to do this together. All right, you want to have them count us down? Yeah. All right, can you give us a one, two, three, and then we're going to cut the right way. Make sure the photographers are all ready. Photographers all ready? All right, give us a one, two, three, okay? See, can we thank the musicians and the singers? Can I just say, wow, wow, come on. How many of you know we were treated to the best praise and worship in, uh, in East County today? Man, that was just incredible. What an honor to have everybody here with us. And uh, I'm just so grateful. It is packed in the, the 11 a.m. There, there are only good and bad problems. Did you know that? There's no such thing as no problems. In fact, there is one place where people have no problems. It's called the graveyard. So you don't want to go past there, okay? That's, you're too early for that, yeah. So in this life, we're going to have good problems and you're going to have not so good problems. I've decided if I live for God, I'm only going to have good problems. You'll be like, hang on a minute. You mean if you serve God, you still have problems? Yeah, but they're good problems. Like one of the problems, God said, every building you buy, I'll fill, which sounds awesome, except he's already filled it. So now we've got to get another building. Or stop more services, or find more parking spaces. So you're never going to be with that. Ne never ever, never ever think that life is about having no problems. God allows problems so you can see Him. 
The disciples said to one another, who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Because they had a problem. They were fishermen and the waves were beating into the boats. He was singing, sinking. They couldn't bail the water quick enough. And then a carpenter's son stands up and says, peace, be still. And everything goes. And they had a breakthrough. They just thought he was a carpenter's son. Now all of a sudden they realize he's not, just a, he's not the carpenter's son. He's the son of the most high God. Because who is this that the wind and the sea obey him? Problems are allowed by God because they will reveal something of God you would not discover if you weren't walking through something. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, well, that's not my message, but anyway. Come with me in your Bibles real quick. I'm going to be reading from the Bible on my phone. I promise I'm not texting anybody. Um, just only because I've got my, my one-year Bible, but the letters are bigger in this on here, and I refuse to get glasses in Jesus' name. In the name of Yeshua ben Elohim, I refuse. My eyes are, wow, look how big they are now. So come with me, First, First Kings chapter 6, verse 37. It'll all make sense in a minute. This is kind of a, an interesting read. The foundation of the Lord's temple was laid in mid-spring in the month of Ziv. During the fourth year of Solomon's reign, the entire building was completed in every detail by mid-autumn in the month of Bull. During the 11th year of his reign, so it took seven years. Everyone say seven years. Seven years to build the temple. Now go to chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, And Solomon also built a palace for himself, and that took 13 years to complete the construction. Denise, I hope that's an encouraging word. It took seven years to build the Lord's house, but 13 years on his own house. Just trying to buy some grace for Chris. <laughs> One of Solomon's buildings was called the Palace of the Forest of Lebanon. Probably sounds better in a British accent. One of Solomon's buildings was called the Palace of the Forest of Lebanon, darling. And you might be thinking, where on earth is this going to go? But I want you to underline that. That is going to be very, very significant in just a moment. The, Paris, the palace of the forest of Lebanon. 150 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, much like this screen here in size. And it talks about there was uh, rows of cedar and cedar beams that rested on the pillars and they, uh, the hall had a cedar roof above the beams on the pillars were 45 side rooms arranged in three tiers, 15 each on each. And it goes on. Go down to verse, verse 6. It says, Solomon also built the hall of pillars, which was 75 feet long, 45 feet wide. Again, like the screen. There was a porch in front along with a canopy supported by pillars. Now, you might want to underline, again, the hall of pillars. It's going to be very important. Then go down to verse 7. Verse 7 says, Solomon also built the throne room, known as the Hall of Justice. I grew up watching Marvel comics and meanwhile in the Hall of Justice, you know, Aquaman and Batman and Spider-Man and Superman and Wonder Woman were all kind of discussing how they were going to stop some megalomaniac from trying to des destroy the whole world. And it all happened in the Hall. Well, the original Hall of Justice was built by Solomon and is in the Bible long before it was in a Marvel comic. Amen. So there, that's where he sat to hear legal matters, and it was paneled with cedar from floor to ceiling. Now, last, last passage we're going to read. Go down to verse 13. Verse 13. Then King Solomon 
King Solomon then asked for a man named Chris Aguila to come from, excuse me, named Hiram to come from Tyre. He was half Israelite since his mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali. His father had been a craftsman in bronze from Tyre. Tyre was a seaside uh, uh, kind of like resort city. Hiram was extremely skillful and talented in any work in bronze. And he came to do all the metal work for King Solomon. Hiram cast two bronze pillars, each 27 feet tall, 18 feet in circumference. For the tops of the pillars, he cast bronze capitals, each seven and a half feet tall. Each capital was decorated with seven sets of latticework interwoven chains. He uh, encircled the latticework with two rows of pomegranates to decorate the capitals over the pillars. The capitals on the column inside the entry room were shaped like water lilies and they were six feet tall. The capitals on the two pillars had 200 pomegranates in rows and it just goes on and on. It's pretty amazing. But then go, uh, as you go down in verse 21, it says, Huram set the pillars at the entrance of the temple, one facing toward the south, one facing towards the north. He named the one on the south, Yachin, and the one on the north, Boaz. And the, the capitals on the pillars were shaped like water lilies. And so the work on the pillars was finished. So the work on the pillars were finished. Now you may think, what on earth did we read that for? Glad you asked. What I love about the temple is the temple faced east. The temple faced east. And when I look at your beautiful faces, can you blame them? Come on, how many people know that people that live in East County, easy on the eyes? Easier. Just bump the person next to you and say, you're quite easy on the eyes. The temple faced east, and the reason it faced east is because how many people know the sun rises in the east? The sun rises in the east. A new day comes when you face the east. It's a new day. God, the God that you and I serve wants you to know there's a new day, there's a new tomorrow, there's new opportunities. He's a God of new beginnings. He's a God of fresh starts. That's why the temple faced east. God wants you to know yesterday may have been dark. Yesterday may have been difficult. Yesterday may have had you pinned. It may have you down. It may have you bound. But the sun is rising on another day. And the Bible says His mercies are fresh every morning. When you see that sun breaking up, when you see that dawn piercing the darkness, you know that there's a fresh flow of mercy from God to bring you breakthrough, to bring you. Do you know what East County needs? East County needs to know that there is a new day, that there is a fresh start, there is a new beginning, there is a sun rising, there are mercies that are new every morning. Rising again. But what is interesting is, is it wasn't just enough to have a temple facing east. The temple had two bronze pillars Now, in the Bible, whenever you see the word bronze, bronze is always judgment. Bronze is always judgment. The bronze labor, judgment. Silver is atonement. Gold is divinity. It's it's, it's consistent from Genesis to Revelation all, all the way through. So because it faced east, the pillar on this side faced north. And it was called Yakin. The pillar on this side faced the south and it was called Boaz. The reason this is important is because Yakin and Boaz, the two pillars were named, were named that way because when anybody walked into the temple, they had to walk past these two pillars and Yakin and Boaz in the, in the Hebrew literally mean he establishes 
in strength. He establishes in strength, or literally, the literal Hebrew is he establishes in his strength. Outside of the walls, you may be trying to establish your life in your strength. Build your marriage in your strength. Build your business in your strength. Build your family in your strength. Overcome addiction in your strength. Overcome chains of poverty and cycles of addiction in your strength. But when you walk else on the planet. So the title of my message today is A House for All Humanity. A House for All Humanity. So I want you to know that when you walk into this house, this is not just about, you know, renovating an old Vons or, or starting another, you know, campus location. God spoke to me that every campus that we, that we build, it's not, a, it's not a church building, it's an altar. It's, it's an altar. It, it, it's a position. Betty, it's a geographical position where we take ground and from that position, It may have been addiction, it may have been poverty, it may have been crime, it may have been all kinds of illicit trade and activity. But now that we've secured that territory, from that territory, a bonfire of worship, a bonfire of praise is gonna go up to heaven. From this place, the word from heaven is gonna come down and it's gonna be dispensed. Jacob saw a ladder set up with angels ascending, going up, and angels descending, coming down. It's a two-way street. Here our praise goes up, our worship goes up, but from heaven a word comes, and the word from heaven comes into the city. Everything changes when the word goes out. The devil doesn't want the word of God being preached. He doesn't want East County people hearing the word of God. He doesn't want the addicts. He doesn't want the broken. He doesn't want the destitute. He doesn't want those on the brink of divorce. He doesn't want those struggling and in iniquities. He doesn't want them to hear the Word of God, but we don't care what the devil says. We care about what God says. So we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to declare the good news of the kingdom. So Solomon builds, he builds three, he builds three houses that are attached to the temple. He, he, he builds three because he, he's trying to communicate something to us that when you walk through Yakin and Boaz, when you walk into an environment where he establishes in his strength, there are gonna be three experiences you're gonna have. And the first one is the palace of the forests of Lebanon. When they built this temple in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, when they built it, it's the capital of Israel, but they didn't use Israeli timber. They didn't use Israeli cedar. They didn't use Israeli cypress. They went to to, uh, Lebanon because the forests of Lebanon had the greatest greatest timber, had the greatest cedar, had the greatest cypress. And Solomon recognized at that particular moment, this is very important that I underscore, that I highlight that the wealth of the nations The wealth of the world isn't in the world for the wicked. The wealth of the world is for the righteous. The wealth of the world is for the establishment and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 60 verse 5. Isaiah 60 verse five says, and you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you and the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. I want you to know God did not put the wealth, He didn't put the gold, He didn't put the silver, He didn't put the bronze, He didn't put the jewels, He didn't put the oil, He didn't put the precious resources into the ground for the wicked. He put them in there for the sons and daughters of God. Can somebody say amen? 
So in, in, this, in this house, you, you better understand that, that we, we, we are on, a, on an assignment to break the cycles of poverty. One of the things we continually get uh, kind of criticized over or at least attacked in is, oh, they're that Joel Osteen church. Friend, God loves you. Yeah, they're that church, they're that, that, they're that prosperity church. You, you better believe, yes, we are. Because I've read the Bible from cover to cover, do it every year. And from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, I found that God wants you to live in blessing. God wants you to live in prosperity. Poverty and shame go together. You, when, when you see little children in school and they can't have and other kids have got a new ball or other kids have got this and they can't because there's poverty in the family. They feel great shame. You say, well, you know what, with, with riches come pride. Absolutely. You know what pride is? Pride is independence from God. So when you see it's pride month, don't buy into it. Because pride is independence of God. We're independent of God. We'll take the rainbow, but we'll be independent of God. That's interesting. The first covenant God made was with the rainbow. Pride is independence from God. So, well, then how do you keep people from getting proud if they, if they become prosperous and wealthy? Glad you asked. Every week you have an opportunity to give. I don't like that, church. You're always talking about money, aren't they? Yeah. Because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. God doesn't need your money, but he wants it. Why would he want it? Because it's attached to your heart. Because he wants your heart. But he knows if he doesn't have your treasure, he doesn't have your heart. But I'm telling you, the wealth of the, 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 the wicked is laid up for the righteous. See, people are going to come into this house from East County, and they're going to say, man, I'm, I'm struggling, pastor. I'm, I'm in debt over my head. I'm struggling to pay bills. I'm struggling to make ends meet. Does the church have any answers? And Bill, we have an answer. Tithe. And I hang on, what's tithe? Glad you asked. It's take the first tenth. Not the fifth tenth, not the tenth tenth, the first tenth of everything that you earn and bring it to God. <laughs> and you're going to say, hey, un poquito loco. <laughs> I can't make it on 100%. And you're telling me that the key to breakthrough is for me to somehow try and struggle on 90%? Well, Pastor Michael on the front row is an aerospace engineer. And, and I want you to have permission to correct me if I'm wrong. But my wife and I, you can tell from the accent, we grew up in another country, Australia. Every time we fly from Los Angeles to Australia, we fly United, it's the friendly skies. And we thought, well, we want to be in the friendly skies, not the unfriendly skies. The difference between United pilots and the, the, the Aussie Qantas pilots is the, 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 the Qantas pilots went through flight school, darling. And so they, they learned how to navigate. And, you know, if you look ahead on the weather system, you see that there's, you know, there's possible turbulence, darling. You signal into, into tower. And you're saying, may I, can we climb 10,000 feet? Or is there, is there an alternate path around the... But not, not United pilots. United pilots, most of them, it's like over 90%, used to be in the Air Force or used to be in the, the, the Navy pilots. And so they, they don't fly around. They don't fly around. They fly through. True story. They fly. Isn't it truly any? They fly through the turbulence. So you're on the plane and it's like. 
You feel like you, you, you're breakdancing is, is, is kind of. But I can't tell you how many times we've landed at Sydney Airport, Mascot Airport, and Pastor Summer, Mascot Airport has a curfew, 6 a.m. So the, the flight, the flight leaving Los Angeles at like 9.30 at night is scheduled to arrive around 6.30, 6.45 in the morning. So, you know, that's okay. 6 a.m., everything, they turn the lights on and, you know, people are ready to process you as you go through. I can't tell you how many times, uh, folks, which is, you know, that's what they teach pilots. Before you speak, you got to do it. Uh, you start with that. And then the first word is, folks, uh, folks. I can't tell you how many times we've landed, uh, folks. Due to strong tailwinds, we've actually gone in a little early. But unfortunately, Mascot Airport has a curfew. So it's right now 5.08 a.m. Australian time, and we've got to sit here at the gate for the next 52 minutes till they turn the lights on and open up. The reason that that was was because they had a tailwind. The last time we flew to Europe, we had a headwind. And we were meant to arrive at a particular time, but we arrived almost an hour and 40 minutes later because we we're fighting a headwind the whole way. When you bring your tithe into the storehouse, there is a curse in the earth working against you. When you bring the tithe, you declare God as Lord over your world, over your finances. And it's the same, ask Michael if this is true, you can go further on 90% fuel with a tailwind than you can on 100% of your fuel with a headwind. You can go further, you can fly faster, you can achieve greater on 90% with a tailwind. When you bring your tithe into the storehouse, you will find that there is a wind that comes behind you. Ask every single person that began to tithe. It doesn't make sense. I couldn't make it on 100%. We heard the testimony. It didn't make any sense to our accountant. It's the God factor. When you step into this house, you are called to unlock a God factor. God wants you to live in prosperity. Why? Because He wants you to be blessed, to be a blessing. God didn't put the wealth in the, in the ground for the Bill Gateses and all those greedy people that don't want to share. God put the wealth in the ground for the righteous, for the sons and daughters of God to exalt Him. When the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon, and the Queen of Sheba represents the spirit of the world, the Bible says she came to, to Solomon to test him with hard questions. I, I want you to know that the world outside these doors has got a lot of hard questions because they're bombarded by propaganda in the media 24-7, 365, in the education of and so they're going to ask hard questions. So at Awaken Church, we've decided we're going to be the church that doesn't step back from, well, we don't talk about that because it's controversial. We don't talk about that because that's controversial. No, no, we've actually decided we're going to step into because people outside these doors are asking difficult and hard questions and the house of God better be a place of answers. But the Bible says when she came to test him, she brought with her camels and elephants carrying her vast retinue of gold and silver and precious stones and jewels and spices and exotic animals. So that as she came in, there was this procession that everybody came out with, ooh, ah, as the Queen of Sheba, you know, came down there. And because in the world, your wealth is status. 
Bill Gates is not an epidemiologist. He, he is not a doctor. So may I tell you, if he's offering you a vaccine, I probably wouldn't take it. He's got no medical. Yeah, but he's a billionaire. Yeah, but he's a college dropout. Yeah, he's a billionaire. See, because you've already bought into the spirit of the world that, oh, if he's a billionaire, wealth is status. When the Bible says, when the Queen of Sheba saw the house that Solomon had built, the house of the Lord, his house attached the entryway by which he went up, when she saw the cupbearers, when she saw the seating of the servants and their apparel, when she, there was no more breath in her and she brings an offering out to Solomon. One offering today is equivalent $26 billion. 20, it's same equivalent. Because she says, all this stuff I had was about me. But when I walked in here, the questions that I had, the Bible says there was nothing that Solomon was not able to answer. And the Bible says when she looked at what he used, the, the temple was overlaid inside and outside with God. When she saw that gold was used to glorify God, when she saw that the wealth of the world was used to bring a house that brings breakthrough, a house that brings answers, a house that establishes in strength, there was no more spirit in her. If you follow history, she was from Ethiopia. The gospel went to Ethiopia. Judaism went to Ethiopia. Ethiopia turned towards God because of this encounter with God. The Bible says that God put a, a river in Eden that flowed out of Eden. And as it flowed out, it divides and becomes four riverheads. The first one was called Pishon. Pishon, the Bible says, skirted the land of Havilah. And the Bible says, and the gold in the land of Havilah was the, was the finest gold in all the earth. In other words, God gave Adam while he was in the garden an assignment. He says, I want you to fill the earth. I want you to exercise dominion. I want you to subdue. Well, well where's Adam gonna go? He's gonna follow the river. Why? Because where water is, life is. I preached a message on Wednesday night called nomadic. Nomadic. What nomadic is in, in, in is a lengthy season and it's still there today, but it's kind of under where... We were nomadic where we build our cities and our towns around where there's water. Because if there's no water, you got no crops and then you die. If you got no water, you got no livestock, cattle, you die. If there's no water, you can't drink, you die. So everything was built around water. So, so Adam knows I'm just gonna follow the river out. At the very, very first bend, he finds gold. Why is this gold here? God says, it's not for the wicked. It's for the establishment of my purposes. It's for the fulfillment of my mission. The reason we do vision builders is because what we wanna teach you the right and the correct use of money. And you'll find as you build his house, he'll begin to build your house. You'll find that as you put God first, he'll begin to overtake you with blessing and break the cycle of poverty. Can somebody say, amen? amen. All right. Point number two was the Hall of Pillars, the Hall of Pillars. In 1975, 1975, Bill Bright from Campus Crusade for Christ and Lauren Cunningham from YWAM got together, both of them incredibly successful, both of the ministries incredibly fruitful. But they got together and they talked about societal transformation. We're seeing people say, but how do we transform society? And they came up with what they called the seven pillars of societal transformation. And the first pillar is, it, sometimes it's, you'll see it as religion, but it's actually faith. It's faith. Faith isn't just having a faith in God. 
Faith isn't just believing in God. A.W. Tozer said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because if what comes into your mind is that God is capricious, that God is distant, that God is Allah, the merciful, and you better pr pray five times a day facing east, facing Mecca, but do not expect Allah to answer because he is a God and you are just a man. So you grovel before him. What, whatever comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. That's why there's no, that's why there's no grace in that religion. That's why there's no compassion or kindness in that religion, only vengeance and violence. But when you realize Yeshua, Jesus said, when you pray, when you pray, say, Abba. When you pray, say, our Father. Jesus had already been teaching on Father. He said, how many of you fathers, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? They're like, none of us. He says, well, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father? All right, then how many of your fathers, if your son asks you for an egg, would give him a scorpion? They're like, man, what, what kind of people do you think we are? He says, well, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Abba, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who, Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, says, our father. The reason we do Emerge Men's Ministry is because Satan goes after father. Satan goes after father. The reason he goes after father, and Michael Mistretta will tell you, the first two letters of the Hebrew al alphabet is the Aleph and the Beit. The Aleph and the Beit together, Ab is father, A-B is father. The Aleph is the Alpha or representative of the ox. The Beit means house. Beit Lechem, house of bread. Beit El is house of God. So the Aleph and the Beit together, the Alpha in the house means father. Alpha in the house means father. Jesus says when a strong man fully armed guards his house, his goods are safe. If someone wants to plunder the house, he must first bind the strong man, take away his armor, then he can plunder the house. There's a reason 91% of prison inmates come from father absent household. There's a reason 97% of young women who sell their bodies or are involved in the adult ministry, film ministry, have no father in their life because the devil knows if he can take down the ab, if he can take down the father, he can plunder the house. We have emerged men's ministry because we're raising up fathers again. But watch this, this is so important. Because the weight of responsibility and the burden that a father carries is he is the first proxy. He is the first proxy in the earth that represents God. He, if you had a father who was abusive, if you had a father who was unfaithful, if you had a father who, was, who just abandoned, if you had a father who was disconnected, when you come into this house and you hear about God, all of those things, believe it or not, on a subconscious level, tell you that maybe you can't trust God. Maybe, maybe God is not gonna be faithful to you. Maybe God is abusive. Maybe He is capricious. And so that's why it's so important when you come into the house of God that we shift your faith, that we shift your understanding to line up with the Word of God so you can have healing, that you can rec recognize that I've got a good, good Father. It's who He is, it's who He is, and I'm loved by Him. It's what He does, it's what He does. You have a God who loves you, 
you, who hung on a cross and died for you, who redeemed you, and then he crushed the devil's head, rose again on the third day, conquering death, conquering hell, and he sent his power, his Holy Ghost, to bring freedom to you and I today. Family, education, government, media, arts, entertainment, marketplace, business, they're the seven pillars. The seven pillars. You know what? What we've been hearing ever since we got here, Mary Bill, ever since we got here, we, we were told, hey, the church, you just, you, you can, fa- faith, that's it. Family, no, no, Hillary Clinton says that it takes a village to raise a child. Let me tell you, any village with Hillary Clinton in it ain't getting anywhere near any of my children. Oh, Hillary and Bill, Flying Lolita Express, you ain't getting anywhere near my kids. But they want the church to let the, let the state run our families. Oh, you, you don't have to, you, your children don't have to tell their parents for an abortion or gen, education. They don't want the church involved in education. They don't want the church involved in government. They don't want the church involved in media. That's why they lost their minds when Elon Musk just bought Twitter. Because they were able to make their lies the truth and the truth was disinformation. But the wheels are falling off. Arts and entertainment, Twisted, Hero, we're taking those things back now to Christmas. Marketplace, business. Men and women competing in the marketplace with the wicked. We know that you want to use the gold to adorn yourself. Well, we're gonna compete with you. We're gonna compete and get contracts because we're gonna use that gold to glorify Jesus. We're gonna use that gold to to magnify the Lord and build the kingdom. Somebody say amen. The last one, number three, is the hall of justice. The hall of justice. Where the throne room is, where the throne of God is. I want you to understand that God is a God of justice. What is justice? Justice is the intersection of love and truth. I want you to listen to that. What is justice? Justice is where love and truth intersect. Two little children are playing in the yard. One of them bullies the other one. They come running inside. And it's a loving act for, for the parent to say, you gotta stop, you gotta share your toys, you gotta give. All justice has two elements, love and truth. In fact, you cannot have love without truth. Did you know that? The world that we live in right now, Mirabil, says that you can have love without truth. Love without truth is called wokeness. When you remove truth from love, Matt Walsh just did a film documentary on what is a woman and people are, people are squirming because they're trying to say, we're for love, we're for love, but you know, you just, we just can't do truth. If I said to my, my wife, I love you, I love you, I'm just not truthful. I love you, I'm just not faithful. I don't really love her. If you were back in 1943 in Germany and you were there at the, the platform at the train station and you may say, well, you know, we represent, you know, a loving community.
community and a loving church and love wins. And we're here and we've got rainbow flags and we're giving juice boxes and blankets to the Jews being packed into these carts. But you, you're not telling them that they're about to, they're not getting transferred to new ghettos. They're getting transferred to concentration camps where the sky in Krakow, Poland would be filled black with clouds, the ash from the burning flesh of almost six million Jews exterminated. You can't tell me you love if you back off from truth. What we get attacked in all the time is, oh, I don't lie away in church, I get involved in politics. Look at him, he's got Trump on his bracelets. I've had pastors say, hey, you know, when you, when you preach pastor, you know, you may want to hide the truth. What, 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 why? What, what, why would I hide it? I had a little old lady, beautiful. Little old lady, little old lady. Now, I had this beautiful little old lady the other day, we we're having coffee. This is a true story, Brian. This beautiful little old lady comes up to me. She goes, oh my gosh, Pastor, here again. I'm like, hi. She goes, I go to Balboa campus. She goes, a year ago, I joined the follow-up team. She says, I personally have made over 600 phone calls to people that have gotten saved in this last year. She says, you're not gonna believe this. She says, but we, we have a little script and at the end of the script say, is there anything I can pray for? She gets all emotional and she says, and every single one of them say, I wanna surrender my life totally to God. I wanna surrender my life totally to Jesus Christ. She says, pastor, I just want you to know you're making a difference. You're ma- they, now listen. Listen, we, we got excommunicated from a particular movement because they said, oh, yes, unlike you, we're trying to reach the lost. One campus, one woman has made 600 calls to 600 decisions. There's a whole thing. That's one campus. We have six campuses. Can I tell you, people out there aren't hungry for more lies. People aren't, people out there who are hearing lies all day don't want to come into a house where we don't tell the truth. They want to hear the truth. But here's, here's here's the challenge with truth. Truth does two things. Truth vindicates and truth punishes. Truth vindicates and truth punishes. If, if there are little kids fighting in the yard or fighting in the street or a bully comes or whatever, and then the, the, the mama comes out and says, hey, what's going on here? Why are there tears? And, and the, he, you know, he pushed me. No, no, he started it. And it's like, oh, I didn't even know. But if there was a neighbor looking through the window who watched the whole thing and says, actually, I saw what happened. This little bully came, pushed him off his bike, took his bike. That's how it all started. When truth enters, one is vindicated for the injustice that has been done, and the other one is punished. I'm gonna tell your parents, you won't be allowed to play here if you're gonna be a bully like that. Do you know who hates truth? Criminals. You know who hates truth? People who wanna do evil, wanna do the wrong thing. But we're not here to accommodate the wicked, criminals or evil. That's why in this house, we're a house, it's a hall of justice. It's a place where love and truth intersect. If I told you that I love you, 
but I don't care to tell you the truth. See, love attracts, but truth unravels. Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You better believe that this is a house of truth. It's a house of breakthrough. It's a house of justice. Now what's interesting, let me finish. Those two pillars, what were they made out of? Bronze, judgment. The two pillars, bronze, judgment, because God is saying that my strength establishes, but you gotta be willing to walk through into justice where love and truth, because can I tell you something about the truth? Jesus says the truth will make you free, but before the truth liberates, it penetrates. There are sometimes I hear the truth and I'm like, Amen, Amen, that's true. And I love hearing the truth. And then there are other times I'm like, Oh, don't, don't. Because the truth will cut your heart. The truth will convict you. The Bible says, remove your foot from evil. I'm like, how did you know? I thought no one was looking. When you walk into this house, there are times where you're gonna feel pierced to the heart. Don't run, lean in, embrace it because the truth of God is the greatest liberating force. It is the greatest delivering power. It is the greatest healing power. Lean into it. And there are other times you're gonna hear the truth and you're gonna be amen, pastor. Come on, I'm, I'm aligned with that truth and that power is flowing. Hall of justice. Justice is the intersection of love and truth. Wokeness is truth being removed from love. We're not a woke church. We're an awake church. We are an awakened church. We know that God is love and that God is truth. God is love and God is truth. You can't have one without the other and keep God. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Oh, I feel the anointing in here. Feel the presence of God. Just. Just turn your palms towards heaven. Just turn your palms towards heaven. I want you to know that whenever you walk into this building, whenever you walk into this house, you don't walk into a re, refabricated vaults. You don't walk into a contemporary structure. You walk into a miracle. You walk into a spirit, an anointing, a presence, a power that what it did to an old Vons in transformation is gonna happen again and again in the hearts, in the minds, in the lives of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people in East County, because the God that we serve is a transformational God. He's a transformational God. So that's why He has a palace for the forests of Lebanon. You're gonna go from poverty into blessing. That's why He has the hall of pillars, because you're gonna find that one of those seven pillars you ha has your name on it. You, you have an assignment in one of those seven pillars where you're a missionary in one of those seven regions. Or you're gonna find that you walk into the hall of justice where breakthrough comes, where deliverance comes, where freedom comes, where vindication comes. Father, I thank You for hearts and lives. I thank You for transformation. If you're here today and you've never surrendered to Jesus, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, if you're here today, maybe you grew up around religion, but it's not that religion's a bad thing. It's, it's just, Jesus said to a religious man called Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't either see or even enter the kingdom. You must be born again. 
How do I get born again? I'm glad you asked. Simply inviting Christ into your heart. Simply saying, yes, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, come into my heart. Maybe you're here and you once walked with God, but you slipped away, ran away, turned away. It's time to come back. Or maybe you're here just far from God. Friend, you don't have to walk out the same way you came in. If you're far from God, come back to God today. If you're any one of those three categories, you've never given your life to Christ, you once did and you're away, or you're here today and you're just far from God. Well, every head is bowed and every eye closed with nobody looking around. If that's you, would you just raise a hand and I'll see your hand. I'm gonna say a prayer for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else is there? Raise it up high. Thank you. Who else there? Lift it up high. Thank you, thank you, thank you through there. Thank you. Who else is there? Who else is saying, Pastor, that's me. Thank you through there. Thank you through there. Who else is there? Thank you, darling. I see your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? I'd love to pray for you today. Love to pray for you. So many hands. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, young man. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Is there one more? I'm out of time. Thank you. God bless you. I see you right up the back. God bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to get us all to pray a prayer. Those of you that raise your hands, I'm going to get you to pray this prayer with everybody. Then I'm going to hand back to Pastor Michael. He's going to dismiss the service, but we're going to have our, our ministry team come out. If you raise your hand, we've got two gifts we want to give you. We want to give you a Bible and we want to give you a following Jesus book. Now, if you're saying, well, hang on, I didn't know they were giving gifts. I would have raised my hand. You can still come. We'll give you a Bible. We'll give you a following Jesus book. But church, why don't we all say these words out loud and especially those that raise their hands. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank You. You so love me. You sent Jesus, Your only Son, on a rescue mission, on an assignment to save my life. Lord Jesus, thank You. When You died on the cross, You died for my sin. You broke the power of the devil so that today I can be free, forgiven, clean, born again. Today I am a child of the Most High God. Heaven is my home. God is my Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.